On Sunday afternoon, Carolina Panthers owner David Tepper once again showed why he's an embarrassment to himself, the organization, and the National Football League. We'll talk about it right now on Locked On Panthers. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Your team every day. That's our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter at Julian. Julian Council, where tomorrow I'll have the weekly Wednesday mailbag one final time this regular season. Then starting next Friday, it will be the weekly Friday mailbag throughout the rest of the regular season until the beginning of the 2024 regular season in the NFL. So either at me or DM me over on Twitter at Julian Council. But first, follow me on Twitter at Julian Council to get those questions in for tomorrow's mailbag and for the Friday mailbag moving forward. Today's episode of Lockdown Panthers is brought to you by Fan will make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Okay. Let's talk about it. We did not talk about it on yesterday's show because I had not seen the video, which I'm sure all of you have seen, of David Tepper, the Carolina Panthers owner, throwing a drink onto a fan at Everbank Field yesterday after the Carolina Panthers, or during the Carolina Panthers, 26 to nothing loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. There's been a lot of reporting about how it appears. There's no appear. It's quite clear that David Tepper took his beverage and threw it out of the box onto fans at the stadium yesterday during the game. It is yet another example how David Tepper, as the Panthers owner, this is not discussing David Tepper as a businessman on Wall Street or who he is as an individual. This is just simply looking at David Tepper as the Carolina Panthers owner. He showed once again on Sunday afternoon on New Year's Eve why in 2024, He remains the biggest problem for the Carolina Panthers. He cannot get out of his own way. And that is a massive problem for the entire organization, for all the fans who love this team and tune in every Sunday hoping for better days. It's a problem for a lot of people involved because David Tepper is not going anywhere. He is the owner of the Carolina Panthers for the foreseeable future until he either passes or sells a team, but it does not look like either one of those things are going to be happening anytime soon. And I certainly do wish David Tepper continued health and prosperity, but I really wish that David Tepper would just figure out how to fix the football team and to get the hell out of his own way. He showed on Sunday why he's an embarrassment as an owner to himself the Carolina Panthers organization, and to the Shield, the National Football League. David Tepper, because he is rich, came into the league as the richest owner. Now he's second behind the Walton family, who owns the Denver Broncos. But because David Tepper made a lot of money 
on Wall Street, making gambling in the market, basically making a ton of money. He believes because he's rich and now owns an NFL team that he's entitled to win football games in the National Football League. But that's not how the NFL works. The Panthers under David Tepper are now 31 in 67. All the money that he has has not brought the Carolina Panthers any sort of stability or success on the field on Sundays, occasionally on Thursday, and one time, I believe, on Monday night during his tenure. That has not happened yet. Just because he has money does not mean he's going to win. But the NFL, this is a league that is designed for all of its teams to go 8-9 or 9-8, to be right there hovering around 500. That is what the league is designed to be. What separates the best teams from the worst teams is the quarterback, the head coach, the ability to identify and draft talent, and, of course, ownership. The Carolina Panthers have failed in all four facets I just brought up since David Tepper took over. They have cycled through quarterbacks with Cam Newton, physically breaking down. They brought in Kyle Allen. They've tried a Taylor Heineke. They've had P.J. Walker, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, now Bryce Young. And they have yet to find a franchise. Now, hopefully Bryce Young will be that, but only time will tell. Head coach, we've talked about it. We're now here in 2024. It's going to be seven seasons of owning the team and having seven different individuals be the head coach, whether it's on a permanent or an interim basis. We have seen Ron Rivera. Then we have seen Perry Fuel. We have seen Matt Rule. Then we have seen Steve Wilkes. We have seen Frank Reich. Right now it's Chris Tabor. Who's next? We will find out if it will be eight years and eight coaches here in Carolina. He has not been able to figure out that portion of it when it comes to general manager and identifying talent and drafting talent. For whatever reason, he kept Marty Herney around for a season too long. Doesn't feel like what Herney did that one year has impacted the franchise in a positive way. And we have seen that Scott Fitterer, his hand-picked general manager, has done an awful job in identifying talent in the draft and bringing him in. And then looking at free agency, he also has not done a good enough job. And for whatever reason, sitting here today, he remains employed. And I'm wondering why five weeks ago, when Frank Reich was relieved of his duties, why Scott Fitterer wasn't also a part of that press release. And what has changed in the last five weeks and heading into next week on Monday to change David Tepper's mind to not bring back Scott Fitter. So I'm just wondering what all of that is. And of course, the owner, we have seen multiple execs leave mysteriously. We saw it played out in Rock Hill. We've talked about the amount of change at quarterback, at the head coach position, David Tepper being an active participant when it comes to the Carolina Panthers football decision-making when he has no football acumen or any right other than he's rich and owns the team to make the kind of decisions that are being made that are clearly holding back this franchise. 31-67, and y'all. But then you go to Sunday, throwing a drink on a fan, and I understand that it's quite possible that there was a ton of foul things being flung from the Jaguar fans' mouths into that booth. But David Tepper has the ability to close the windows. David Tepper is in a position where he can isolate himself from that. Let's go back to when he fired Frank Reich. And 
Scott Fowler of the Charlotte Observer not being able to ask a question. David Tepper stepped up there to the dais and did not answer a question from someone who's been critical of him and who's been around for every major event with the organization since it first came to Charlotte. He can isolate himself from that, but he can't isolate himself from fans hurling whatever insults, and maybe the fan deserved it. But when you own a team... And you sit in that position, you represent more than yourself. You represent the organization. And more importantly, really, as far as the NFL is concerned, you represent the shield. And he embarrassed himself, the organization, and the NFL by conducting himself in that way. David Tepper continuously, continuously feeds in to his worst impulses. We have seen it with the way the draft went. You cannot tell me that Bryce Young was never going to be the choice. That's who David Tepper wanted. David Tepper wanted Bryce Young. If you wanted C.J. Stroud, he'd be here. If you wanted Will Levis, he'd be here. If you wanted Anthony Richardson, he'd be here. And if you wanted Jalen Carter or anybody else, they would be here. Those were David Tepper decisions. He continues to feed into these impulses, and they're holding back the organization. And we saw it again on Sunday. And one thing that really stood out to me in that video is Scott Fitterer. Standing there, emotionless, just being a bystander, having no reaction. Why is that? Probably because Scott Fitterer has seen it before. You think Frank Reich is happy that he's gone? I would think so. He's got a ton of money. He does not have to meet weekly with the man that volatile who has now twice had outbursts on the road. Think back to the Titans game right after the big F-bomb. And I'm not saying that David Tepper... Can't show emotion. We know that when the Panthers lose, he said it, he gets pissed off. I understand that. I appreciate the owner having that much of a care factor. But it's a little bit too much, obviously, when you're throwing drinks on fans. So David Tepper has to control himself. But he has not been able to do that. And it seems like there's no one within that organization that can control him and get him to understand that he's the problem. Until that becomes the case, well, this is what you get. An owner who's caught on film throwing a drink on a fan and is lambasted across the entire league and sitting here at 150 on New Year's Day has yet to offer any sort of statement or apology It's almost been 24 hours, and we haven't heard anything. Cricket, silence. I'm used to the Hornets doing that. At least the Panthers typically will stand up. I'm used to the Hornets showing that kind of cowardice. But apparently David Tepper is one who's showing the cowardice today. Embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. And honestly, none of this really should surprise any of us, considering all the stories we heard about this man when he bought the team. We know about the revenge house, his old boss who fired him. Didn't get along with him. That guy gets divorced. His wife somehow gets to Hampton's house. David Tepper buys that house from her, raises it to the ground, and then builds a house twice the size. We have heard, of course, about the brass testicles that he would have on his desk. And we've heard about David Tepper going to a restaurant thinking, you know what, if there's that a-hole waiter, I could just buy the place and fire him. Never mind that that person financially could be ruined by that but David Tepper that's that's his impulse and people looked at that they laughed but in reality all it is is crass behavior and that's the individual that you're getting in this ownership role week in and week out here in Carolina and why again this team is 31 and 67 
since he bought it. Looking at yesterday and how things played out, if you're a general manager candidate, do you want to be sitting there in a booth with that man, having those kind of reactions when the team loses? If you're a head coach, do you want to be having this meet with that man every single week to break down what went right, what went wrong? Is that who you want to work for? Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. The money's nice. But if you have another opportunity, and this has been said from the beginning, why would you choose Carolina, especially after what we saw play out on Sunday afternoon in Jacksonville. David Tepper's an embarrassment as an owner to himself, the Panthers, and the NFL. And Lord, I hope here in 2024 it gets better. But there's a fitting end to 2023 to see what David Tepper did. And we'll see what the NFL does, if they react. Uh, Last time we saw an owner have some sort of outburst like that and be punished for his interaction with a fan was Bud Adams, the former Houston Oilers and then Tennessee Titans owner, who back in 2009 gave the double bird to some Eagles fans, which, hey, man, (laughs) it's the Eagles, so I get it. Uh, But he was fined a quarter of a million dollars. Maybe it will be the same for David Tepper. Maybe he'll be suspended and not able to go to the game on Sunday. I don't really know what that's going to do. I don't really know what the NFL can do to David Tepper other than take his team away. And, and for throwing a drink on a fan, I don't think that's clearly – to me, apparently it's assault. Uh, that seems ridiculous. Um, but, hey, we live in an extremely litigious country nowadays where you can be sued for anything. Um, that seems kind of crazy that that's assault. But, sure, I guess um, it's inappropriate – under no circumstance should an NFL owner do that. Really, anybody should do that. But we know people say things all the time that they're deserving of having a drink thrown in, the, in their face or maybe even being, you know. But I'm not trying to sit here and condone that behavior. I just find it interesting that that uh, can have that kind of legal ramifications for anyone in the country. Um, but, yeah, like, what can they really do to him other than take away his team? And I don't think this is going to be enough at all to take away his team, especially when you consider what Daniel Snyder did. And, oh, yeah, the last guy on the team here, Jerry Richardson, did to lose their teams in the NFL. So, yeah, he's an embarrassment to himself, the team, and the NFL. Now, there's two questions I do have coming out of that game and moving into the offseason about two guys that are former first-round picks here in Carolina. Ike Aquanu, J.C. Horn. Both of them have had their own struggles this season, one with health, one with just overall performance. What does the future look like for them under a new coaching staff here in Carolina? We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. It's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. Does not matter. Win or lose, it is your money. Just Place $5 down and get $150 back in bonus bets. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. Find bets in the new Explore tab. Make a parlay in the Parlay tab, or Hub, rather. The best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. As we enter into the final week of the 2023 regular season for the Carolina Panthers, I have two 
Big questions heading into the offseason uh, pertaining to two guys who have been first-round picks here in Carolina. The sixth overall pick uh, in the 2022 draft was Iki Aquanu, who was brought here to end all the questions about who would be the left tackle here in Carolina for hopefully the next decade. And last year... It appeared to be the case that Iki Aquanu would solidify the left tackle position after struggling in the first two weeks. He went months without giving up a sack, but then had an ill-time sack that led to a fumble there in Week 17 against Tampa Bay. But overall, people felt good about Iki Aquanu. Could he potentially one day move into guard and be a better player there? Maybe, but could he play left tackle and be just fine, be an upgrade from the Byron Bells, the Nate Chandlers, the Mike Rimmers, the Matt Khalils, the Russell Okungs, the blind sides of Mike Galore, could he be better than that for the Panthers? That was the hope, and Carolina had tried to go out there and to draft the Greg Little in the second round. They even drafted Dennis Daly and give him an opportunity. They had tried to do the free agency thing, but they had not drafted a tackle in the first round since they drafted Jeff Ota back in 2008. And, of course, Ota didn't necessarily work out. And looking at this season, looks like maybe Ike Kwanu is not going to work out. There's questions, too, about the Carolina Panthers 2021 eighth overall pick, that being J.C. Horn and his inability to stay healthy and what the future for him and the cornerback room looks like moving forward into the offseason with a new coaching staff and maybe even a new defensive coaching staff. But we'll talk about J.C. momentarily. But one of the big questions and really big stories coming out of the game on Sunday, aside from the Panthers being shut out for the first time since 2002 and David Tepper acting like a petulant child uh, in his owner's suite throwing a drink on a fan, was Iki Aquanu just being awful. Yet again, David Newton of ESPN.com, the Carolina Panthers reporter, tweeted this out on saying on Sunday saying, the two sacks by Panthers left tackle, Iki Aquanu in the first half, gave him 18 on the season on his pass blocks. That's the most by any player in the NFL, regardless of the position, per ESPN Analytics slash NFL Next Gen Stats. Buddy, that's not good. It is very difficult to convince anyone that a player who has given up 18 sacks in a season to come back and to have a starting role on the offensive line, but especially at that position. Now, I have talked about this a couple times, and I have said that it's not necessarily as simple as you move Icky inside to guard. There were other ramifications to doing that when it pertains to the rest of the offensive line. Looking at the contracts, Icky Aquanu heading into his third season, which will be important because the Carolina Panthers – whether it's Scott Bitter still as a GM or whoever the head coach is going to be, whoever the new GM is, if they hire a new general manager, they're going to have to make a decision on what to do come May 2025 with Ike Aquanu and the fifth-year option. Right now, the way he's played, it's hard to make the argument that he should be given the fifth-year option. But he has another year left to play. The Panthers have another 17-game sample set to see whether he's someone worth exercising the fifth-year option and paying him a lot of money for that 2025 season. Or I guess it'll be 26 season. Yes, 26 season. So we'll we'll find out about that next May. So we got a while. We got a ways to go before that is figured out. But he's under contract. Look at Brady Christensen, who is a starting left guard here in Carolina, tore his bicep week one, haven't seen him the rest of the year, will be back next year. He'll enter into his final year of his rookie deal. He's a very cheap player. He's been an experienced starter. Yes, he was the lowest graded offensive lineman for the Carolina Panthers during the 2022 season, but he's a player that you're not going to move off of because of how cheap he is and the experience that he does have as a starter in a league that is desperate for any sort of offensive line talent, 
Brady Christensen to be back. Now, Bradley Bozeman, he is a player who has not played well this season. He has come out and said that he is more comfortable in a downhill blocking scheme. What the Carolina Panthers have utilized has been a wide zone run scheme. For whatever reason, the coaching staff looked at this offensive line and believed that this offensive line could work with this scheme, and that has not been the case. So it's the coaching staff's fault. Part of it could also be the evaluation of the offensive line. But we have seen in the past they've been successful getting downhill and running the football. Have they been the best pass-blocking offensive line? Of course not. But they have been serviceable, and they've been an offensive line you can win games with. We have seen that in the past. That has not necessarily been the case so far this season. Taylor Moten, $24 million of dead cap if you let him go, and who's going to play right tackles? That's just a non-starter. But the one position I'm looking at, though, is that right guard position and Austin Corbett. Now, there are some decent salary cap ramifications for Austin Corbett. If you cut him pre-June 1st, you got a ton of dead money, and you don't save any cap space. You actually lose about a million dollars of cap space uh, for the 2024 season. So that's just not something you can do. But post-June 1, trade or release, there are some options. Carolina Panthers would take on $3.8 million uh, in, cap, in dead cap in 2024, then $7.7 in dead cap in 2025, while they would save $6.2 million um, against salary cap. In 2024, that's a decent amount of space. And when you look at the fact that Austin Corbett has torn his ACL last year, week 18, he's torn his MCL. That's back-to-back seasons with significant injuries to his knee. And we're likely looking at a new general manager and a new head coach. Are they married to him? I wouldn't think so. If Scott Fitterer's back, then Scott would be more likely to bring him back considering that Scott's the one who restructured his deal last year. And it was very interesting to see him restructure Corbett's deal and also sign back Bradley Bozeman, but then move on to go draft another guard in Chandler Zavala. The Carolina Panthers, the last three or last two drafts have gone out there, really last three drafts, have gone out and drafted Deontay Brown, who's a guard. They've drafted Brady Christensen, who's played as a guard. They drafted Ikea Kwanu, who people think should be a guard. They have drafted... Um, Cade Mays, Chandler Zavala, they've gone out and gotten so many guards. So why are you restructuring a deal for a player who has a torn ACL? He's going to have to be rehabbing all offseason and a player that Scott Fitter had known wasn't going to be ready to go come week one. That is now, in a way, complicated things. If it's a new general manager, you know, it's not too complicated. The Carolina Panthers can let him go post June 1 designation, whether it's a trade or release. They can keep Tobo in their right tackle. They could move Brady to right guard if they want to do that, or they can move Icky to guard, but they can put Icky at one of the guard spots, and we'll see what they do with Bradley Bozeman. I, my, my thought is Carolina Panthers should try and draft a center. Uh, they have not done that since they drafted Brian Khalil. We'll see what they do. They don't have much draft capital. Uh, maybe Bozeman will be better next year. He doesn't have an out in his deal until 2025, so we'll see how that works out. But um, that could be the easiest thing to do, but then... What do you do at left tackle? Because it's not really easy. Like, that's not even the right term. It's not as simple. It's not as easy as a lot of people want it to be. Okay, get rid of Bradley Bozeman, but who plays center? Can you draft someone who's going to come in and start week one? Can you find an upgrade? I don't know. Are you willing to be patient enough to let that guy go through the ups and downs of trying to play that position, a very important position in the NFL? Does Icky actually fit in better at one of the guard spots? Will he be an upgrade over Austin Corbett? Will he be an upgrade over Brady Christensen? We don't know. We just assume that would be the case. So those are things that you say out loud and believe, oh, it's going to be this simple. If it were that simple, 
the Carolina Panthers wouldn't continuously be one of the worst teams in the NFL. They would be far more competitive if it was that easy. Clearly, it's not. But at left tackle, what do you do? If it's not going to be icky, you're going to bring in a free agent looking at spot track. They have four guys who are listed as pure left tackles. That's Tyron Smith of Dallas, who's 33 years old. That's Dwayne Brown of the New York Jets, who's 38. It's Cornelius Lucas of the Washington Commanders, who's 32. And Donovan Smith of the Kansas City Chiefs, who's 30. Aging tackles. Carolina Panthers, they've already crossed that box out before, and we saw how it worked out with Russell Okun. Do they really want another aging tackle? Probably not. Okay, the draft. There's a lot of good players. You got Joe Alt from Notre Dame. You got Olu Fashanu from Penn State. You got some good guys, but the Panthers don't have a first-round pick. They're not picking until 33, and do you want to take a left tackle at 33 after you took one 27 spots higher two drafts ago, or do you want to get a wide receiver? Or is there going to be another position of need? Do you need to get an edge rusher? There's, And these are questions that really won't have more defined answer until, of course, draft night. But after free agency plays out, we see what the needs are. But we need to find out who's going to be the general manager and who's going to be the head coach. So many things need to happen before you can get to that situation and be able to answer those questions with any sort of clarity, if there's any clarity at all. So it's not that simple. And that's what makes things so difficult here in Carolina when trying to build this roster where you're trying to find a guy who was your sixth overall pick, a home. Is it the home at left tackle under a new blocking scheme, new offensive line coach, new head coach, new offensive scheme overall, or is it moving inside? Then what does that do to the rest of the offensive linemen that are all under contract? All five of the projected starters are under contract, and that's not including Chandler Zabala, who's under contract. Cade Mays, who's under contract. It's, it's a complicated situation. Maybe it's not as complicated to you. I'm just looking at the financials, and I'm asking a question about Okay, you can go find another left tackle. You're going to be right back in the situation you've been in the last decade since Jordan Gross retired. We'll find out, man. But uh, that's just my quick thoughts. Not really not really quick, but there's some of my thoughts about Ike Kwanu and the offensive line situation heading into the offseason as Panthers prepare for their final game against Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday at Bank of America Stadium. But it's not just Ike. There's also J.C. Horn. And his future and the future of the rest of the quarterback room here in Carolina. We'll talk about that here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. Price Picks is the most fun you'll have winning up to 25 times your money this football season. You just select two former players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. With the basketball season finally here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can take LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made plus reception price picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make price picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first positive match up to $100. That's pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first positive match up to $100. Carolina Panthers have questions on the offensive line heading into the offseason. The primary question is what to do with Ike Aquano. They also have questions in the cornerback room and what they're going to do with their former first-round pick, J.C. Horn, what his, his future here in Carolina. Now, there could be 
the same defensive staff here in Carolina next year. Jay Rivero is under contract. All these coaches are really under contract, but will they all be retained by the next head coach? Well, the answer clearly is no. They will not all be retained. We know the offensive staff. They're going to be gone very soon. Next Monday, key card Monday. Black Monday, they call it. But key card Monday, I think that's a little bit more uh, fun. But it's really what's going to happen. The key cards, it's not going to work. And hell, it might even be key card Sunday, right after the game, about 4 o'clock, 4.05 Eastern, whatever it's going to be. Just go ahead and let them know, hey, pink slip, here you go. Appreciate your hard work. Best of luck in your future endeavors to everyone on the offensive staff. Now, defensive staff, there's a little bit more complicated question. Now, Jero Vero should be getting head coaching interviews elsewhere, and I think he should be a head coach somewhere in the NFL. And if he is, well... I think a lot of the guys on the defensive coaching staff here in Carolina are going to be following him elsewhere. Now, it's possible that the next head coach wants to keep some of these guys. There's a good there's a good chance that the entire defensive staff is wiped out. There's also a decent chance that they could be retained. We'll see how that works out. So that's important to understand as we have this conversation about J.C. Horn and the rest of the defense, but really the cornerback room here in Carolina. Now, again, I have to preface this by saying we don't know whether Scott Fitter is going to be the general manager. The fan base has fired him, but the owner has not fired him. In the last five weeks since firing Frank Reich, I don't know what has really changed between then and now and then heading into Sunday and then really Monday uh, with Scott Fitter and David Tepper. Fitter was right there watching Tepper's temper tantrum as he threw a drink on a fan on Sunday in Jacksonville. I don't know what their relationship is. I don't know where he stands. He's been given no assurances that he'll be back next season. But if that's the case, why is he still here? What exactly can Scott Fitter even do with the roster right now? I, I, I mean, they're still signing players, I guess. I guess, yeah, you saw they, they signed Ill Manning off of the practice squad there. In San Francisco, they had to play Samari Barno on IR. So there's a couple in-season things still going on. Someone else couldn't have done that? They couldn't have Dan Morgan do that? Or Samir Suleiman do that in an, in an interim basis? I, I don't know. Um, but looking at it with J.C. Horn, he missed on Sunday. He was questionable with a toe injury. He was active. And then close to the game said, actually, no, I can't go, which meant that C.J. Henderson, who was inactive for the second week in a row behind Shaquille Griffin, he was not able to play. So had J.C. Horn come out earlier and said, hey, actually, I can't play. Henderson would have been active, I believe. Would have made sense. That would have been the case, but it was not. So Horn missed his 12th game of the season um, so far. Well, I guess actually 11th game of the season. He's only played in five games so far this season. And uh, maybe, he'll, maybe he'll miss the 12th game. But so far, we have seen J.C. Horn play in 21 out of a possible 50 games during his three-year career here in Carolina. He has missed 29 games for your top 10 pick at a position of major need across the NFL to miss that amount of time. That is just not a situation that anyone could have foreseen and a situation the Carolina Panthers can afford to continue moving forward. Now, can they get rid of J.C. Horn? Sure. Would I advise it? No. There's one more year left on his deal. Well, yeah, there's one more year left on his rookie deal. The Carolina Panthers clearly, come May, are not going to exercise that fifth-year option, nor should they. He just has not been out there enough. When he plays, he's a good player. But we have not seen J.C. Horn play nearly enough to warrant him getting probably like $11, $12 million come the 2025 season. I hate to say it, 
That's just the reality of the situation. You can't exercise the fifth-year option. Now, the rest of the group, you have C.J. Henderson, Shaquille Griffin, and Troy Hill, who are all going to be free agents. Now, it's possible that guys like Griffin, maybe Hill, could be back next year if it is the same defensive coaching staff. But I'm sure they're going to look at other options. And I think the Panthers overall should look to upgrade from those guys when it comes to the cornerback room. Deshaun Jameson, who's played in 104 defensive snaps, he is also going to be back next year under contract. So it's him, it's Horn, and it's Dante Jackson. Dante, there was concern, of course, about him because he's dealt with the turf toe back in 2020. He had the hand, I think it was a groin injury that cost him a season. Then he had, of course, the Achilles last year. He's coming off of all those injuries, three straight injury-plagued seasons. Could Dante Jackson come in and be healthy? And he has been healthy. He's played and started in 15 games. I imagine he'll be out there ready to go, play in 16 games this season. And you can get 16 games out of Dante Jackson, really, out of anybody. You're happy about that. So, Dante, a job well done. But it's not like he has been that great for Carolina. He has allowed 65.5% completion percentage when targeted, which is second worst in his career. He has given up 12.9 yards per completion, which is about middle of the road, what he's done so far in his career. His passer rating allowed is a career worst, 109.1. Only has five pass breakups, a second lowest in his career. And this would be the first season if he does not get an interception on Sunday where he has gone without an interception. And a lot of that really, it's just luck, it's talent, but a lot of it's also luck. Now, looking at Dante Jackson's, um, numbers, and again, got to figure out who's going to be the general manager, who's going to be coaching on the defensive side of the ball. Pre-June 1, trader release, the Panthers could get rid of Dante Jackson and take on $9.7 million of dead cap and have a $6 million uh, cap savings. Now, if they do a post-June 1 trader release, it's going to be splitting a dead cap. It'd be 5.1 in 24, 4.5 in 2025, and then saving $10.6 million in salary cap space. That is enticing, and I am someone who, honestly, I would rather them just eat all the dead cap this offseason. I don't want to split it. I just want to eat it all. The cap space is great, but this is not a football team that is competing for anything in 2024. I'm sorry. It's just a reality of the situation. This is not a football team that is going to be competitive. There are too many things that they need to fix in this offseason and moving forward for the Carolina Panthers to be competitive, even in a bad NFC South. Will they be the worst team in the NFL next year? I certainly hope not. But I do not think they're going to be competing for the NFC South title or a division or for a playoff spot in 2024. That's I know hope will be sold throughout the offseason, and it's the hope that kills you. It's the hope that also keeps you coming back. I just don't see it. So for a team that's not going to be competitive in 2024, you need to just eat the cap and not spread it out just to have another football team that's no good because they keep doing this. They keep restructuring deals, keep taking on dead cap, but not really taking it on for that one season and moving forward and cleaning the books. They just keep trying to move things around, bring in players who turn out to just not be good enough and the team can't get above a seven-win win total. So I just think they need to eat that money this offseason. Now, corner... JC's back. Jamison, he's going to at least get a chance to try out for the team. Don't think Henderson's back. Griffin Hill would depend on what the coaching staff looks like on the defensive side of the ball. But I would guess those guys are also going to be gone. So you're really looking at JC definitely back. Jamison getting a chance to be at in camp maybe. Um, and then maybe Dante Jackson if the Panthers decide that they want to keep him around. But you need multiple corners to come here into Carolina. And what you really need – as for J.C. Horn, just to be healthy for once, once they get into the 2024 season, which would be potentially his last season here in Carolina. 
So some serious questions on the offensive line and in the cornerback room, but two but questions really surrounding the former first-round picks, Ike Kwanu and J.C. Horn as Carolina Panthers head into their final week of the 2023 regular season against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday afternoon at Bank of America Stadium. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, y'all, subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, where tomorrow I'll be answering your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions for one final time. Then starting next Friday, it will be the weekly Friday mailbag throughout the entirety of the offseason, either at me or DM me to get those questions into me now. But in the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole. As always, keep pounding, and I'll talk to you all on Wednesday.